What's up, bar folks? For 40 years, Ligonier Ministries Table Talk has been a valid resource for the body of Christ. With thousands of subscribers all over the U.S., Ligonier Ministries has partnered with the Bar Podcast to bring you 15 months of this magazine for the price of 12. For $23, you get 15 issues of the Table Talk magazine delivered to your door, chock full of articles and devotions. To get your subscription, go to thebarpodcast.com forward slash table talk to get those 15 issues for only $23. That's right, the bar podcast forward slash table talk. Go now. Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week to week cultural apologetics, as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking Podcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What up, Omaha? What's going on, man? It's always good to get my call sign in there, bro. I appreciate you, man. Hey, I've I've picked up probably another hundred uh, folks on Twitter from you, man. Yeah, man. It's like uh, it's like what was that rapper's name? Uh, uh, man, I can't remember his name. But it's like you a star now, you know. So it's like <laughs> that was a line from one of his joints back in the nineties, man. That called the Vapors. It was a joint called the Vapors, man. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You a star now, you're man. Star so now. yeah, you a star now. I don't even have a nickname, man. I yeah, don't we, even have one. I got. Well, listen, listen. You are the Daryl Bernard Harrison. <laughs> For better or worse, right? You are the, absolutely. 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 Oh, wow. They've got to know that. They've got to know that. No, it's good stuff. It's been been fun. I've been venturing out into Twitter land, man, and trying to, you know, trying to see my way into that space and having a good time uh, with it, man. Just kind of trying to throw a few things back and forth. I, I actually, man, uh, had, uh, had, you know, a, a dear brother, a pastor here in town uh, who's a, a fan of the podcast and who listens. Uh, from a church here in town, and uh, he reached out. We had lunch, great time, great conversation, and uh, man, God opened the door for for us to continue uh, to connect. And so, man, I, he knows who he is. I won't I won't name him by name, but but uh, but enjoyed our time together. Looking forward to more of it. But man, all of it due to my my kind of hanging on your coattail, man, and just just rolling with what we do here on 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 uh, on on, on uh, just, the Just Thinking podcast. Hey, I don't know if you want to hang too close to my coattails because, you know, sometimes my coattails catch fire. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how close. I don't know how close Omaha you want to be to my coattails. Man. Hey, so just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm built for it. Stay a safe distance away. I, I will. I, I, I listen, no taking, but I'm built for this. So it's all good. We can roll together, man. No, it's, it's always good to be back, man, to, to connect with you and to, look at the the topics, the subjects that we do, and uh, uh, looking forward to another great show, man. Yeah, so tonight, man, we're teeing up another, um, I don't know, I, I think, uh, hopefully I'm not putting the cart before the horse, but I think folks might find this topic interesting. You know, I try to put out a couple of heads up yeah. uh, on social media before we record, a few days before we record, I'll let folks know what the topic is that we're going to be tackling for an upcoming episode mm-hmm. and tonight tonight uh again because we do record in the evenings on monday evenings at eight 
at 8 Eastern. Uh, so in this episode, we're dealing with the subject of false teachers mm. and false teaching. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, th- this topic I think is, uh, is germane, uh, to, I, I don't know if it'll ever be out of style to be honest right, with you before, right, right. uh, we are, uh, fully glorified in the new heaven and the new earth, mm-hmm. but I think this is going to be a, uh, a topic that's going to be recurring, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. we felt it, uh, opportune, uh, to deal with this subject in this episode, and uh, what I want to do, man, is get us started on this topic. Again, we're talking about false teachers and false teaching. What I want to do, Virg, I want to start us off, man, by uh, <clears throat> leveraging uh, Table Talk Magazine. Yeah. Uh, Table Talk, for those of you who aren't familiar, Table Talk Magazine. I think Ligonier Ministries has been doing Table Talk now for 40 years. Mm. And uh, so Table Talk Magazine is the magazine of Ligonier Ministries. And if you're not subscribe to Table Talk Magazine, you are missing out. As a matter of fact, now that I mentioned Table Talk, uh, for our listeners out there, uh, the Bar Network, which is uh, managed by our brother Dwayne Atkinson. The man. Uh, man. The hardest working man in podcast podcast land. Absolutely. Ligonier and the Bar have partnered together on a special deal where you can subscribe to Table Talk Magazine and get 15 issues for the price of 12. Mm-hmm. So if you go out to thebarpodcast.com, thebarpodcast.com, you can subscribe, hit a link, and you can go subscribe to Table Talk Magazine, get 15 issues for the tw- the price of 12, courtesy of the a partnership that the bar network has with uh, Ligonier magazine. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, in April, the April 2018 issue of table talk magazine focused on false teachers. So that was mm-hmm. the theme for that issue. And what I want to do is read a, a section of an article that was written by Sean Michael Lucas. The uh, article is entitled false teaching out there and in here mm-hmm. false teaching out there and in here, um, Michael's writes this. He says, throughout the New Testament, the apostles sought to fight false teaching and heresy. In fact, in nearly every letter, some false teaching or heresy is exposed and dealt with. For example, 1 Corinthians deals with teachers who denied the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Galatians argues against those who said that justification is by Jesus plus becoming a Jew, not faith alone in Jesus alone. In Colossians, Paul warns against a strange Jewish mystical teaching that seemed to combine Jewish dietary laws with esoteric Greek philosophy. First John confronts many who denied that Jesus, the son of God, came in a human body. Over and over, the church's leaders fought against false teaching in their churches. But the fighting spirit of the early church seems to be a long way away from the more polite, postmodern sensibility of contemporary culture. Inevitably, any courageous stand for biblical truth is rebutted with the claim that we are some teachers, quote-unquote, warrior children, or those who labor to defend sound doctrine are relativized with the claim that we can't really know the truth after all, or such and such has the spirit upon him. 
which means that his biblical errors aren't really that significant. Above all, it seems that our day is worried more about tone than truth. Mm. This isn't to say that in defending the faith, we can or ought to, to forsake courtesy. One mark of our conversion is that we treat everyone, even those in error, with gentleness and courtesy. Second mm-hmm. Timothy 2.24, Titus 3.2. Surely we can disagree without being disagreeable. And yet there are truths at stake. And even more than truths, there are precious individuals whom God has entrusted to us for pastoral care and oversight. Our task is to protect the flock even as we examine ourselves to ensure that our teaching and doctrine are pure. Mm-hmm. To ensure that our teaching and doctrine are pure. So we're talking in this episode about false teachers and false yeah. teaching. Yeah. So where I want to start tonight, Verge, is here. This is going to be a very didactic approach to this issue. So I'm asking our listeners in advance to just hang in there with us. But I, but I think beginning this conversation at its least common denominator is really where we want to start if we're gonna, if we're going to really treat this with the thoroughness, I think the theological thoroughness that it needs, that it deserves, and that it warrants. Mm-hmm. So where I want to start, Verge, is asked by asking a fundamental question. What is it that makes something false? Yeah. What is it that makes something false? I don't care whether we're talking theology, physics, right. history, or anything else. What is it that makes something false? Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, go ahead, Virgil. No, I, I think, A, I think that's a great question because we have to have a standard by which we're examining a exactly. particular issue. And so, you know, I, I don't want to take any of your thunder because I know you're getting ready to, to dive into uh, to the process, but we... we this question is paramount at the beginning mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because it, it 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 sets everything in motion. It's the standard by which all things are judged, and so we, we've got to know what that standard is and define it. So I think that's that's a great place to start. Exactly, and that's why I say that this question is fundamental. You start here with the fundamental building block of what is what is a false view of biblical doctrine, and we must start here by defining not just defining, but discussing what makes something false. Mm-hmm. Okay. So whatever is deemed to be false, as you just alluded to verge, whatever is deemed to be false must be deemed to be objectively false, not yes. subjectively false. Very good. Likewise. Okay. Whatever is deemed to be true must be deemed to be objectively true, mm-hmm. not subjectively true. So what that means is, as you just said, verge, there must be a standard or a barometer up against which the values of true and false can be defined, but not only to be defined, but tested. Yeah. You see, again, so what that means is there must be a standard or barometer up against which the values of true and false can be defined and tested. Now, this begs the question, what is that standard? What is that standard by which one can determine what is true or false? Well, mm. to answer that question, there must first be such a thing as truth. Amen. So before you even ask the question, what is the standard? You have to acknowledge that there must be such a thing as truth. Mm-hmm. 
A thing is true or false because there is truth. Mm -hmm. That's what makes a thing true or false. The existence of truth is what makes a thing true or false. So the question becomes for us, what is truth? Mm -hmm. What is truth? It's the same question Pontius Pilate asked in John 18, 38. Absolutely. What is truth? We're back there again. We've come full circle. What is truth? So thing is true or false because there is truth. Mm -hmm. But the question is, what is truth? Most, most people, Daryl have, if you, you, let me say it this way. You go to, you go to church, uh, ask the, ask the general person in the pew that you come into contact with what is truth. And people will have a very difficult time coming up with a response or an answer to that very basic, basic question. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got to have a standard. And so I think this is, this is, this is well worth the time to take to unpack. Yeah. What we're doing here, Verge, we're really fulfilling Peter's exhortation, right? To be able to give a defense. Mm. What we're doing here is apologetics. Absolutely. Right. Now, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to, fundamentally articulate and respond even within the church. And we're going to get to this in a second, even to be able to argue. And I don't mean that in a negative sense, but to have a discourse among brothers and sisters within the church on this issue. And we must be able to do that, not just biblically, but logically. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm taking this deliberate didactic approach to false teaching because there's much more to understanding a biblical theology of false teachers and false teaching than just naming names. So this approach I think is hopefully valuable to our listeners. So again, just to repeat, a thing is true or false because there is truth. There is truth. So the question for us is what is truth? What is truth? In John 17, 17, a, Mm, come on. Jesus prayed to his father on behalf of all believers that he, that God, the father would what? That he would sanctify them them in the The truth. truth. That's right. The truth. Now in that text, that preposition, the is often overlooked, but it is a very significant word because in using that qualifier, the using the qualifier, the putting that word, the before the word truth, in John 17, 17a, Jesus is declaring that there is only one truth and that that truth is objective. That truth is objective. Mm-hmm. Although we know from the scriptures that there is such a thing as the truth, as we just cited in John 17, 17, the scriptures tell us because Jesus said himself, he asked the Father to sanctify us in the truth. Now, knowing that there is such a thing as the truth, it still leaves us with a question of what is it? Mm. What is the truth? What mm-hmm. does it consist of? What is it comprised of? What does it entail? What is the truth in quotes about which Jesus is speaking in John 17, 17 a, the first part of John, uh, John 17, 17. Now Jesus answers that question in the second part of John 17, 17. Mm-hmm. What is the truth? 
Well, Jesus answers that himself. He says, your word is truth. Now, he didn't say your word is the truth. He said your word is truth. Now, what makes God's word the truth is that God's <laughs> word is truth. It's truth. That's good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we'll we'll be able to break this down as we go through uh, this discussion in this episode, verse. Because what I want our listeners to understand is that there is a distinction to be made between true and truth. Mm. True and truth. There is a distinction to be made, but they do fit together. All right. Mm-hmm. So Jesus answered in John seventeen seventeen b, "Your word is truth." Now, the phrase your word that Jesus spoke in the second half of John 17, 17, that phrase your word is speaking of the revealed word of God that we have in the canon, that we now have in the canon of Scripture. Genesis to Revelation. Mm -hmm. God's revealed word. Now, we know from Deuteronomy 29, 29, that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to us. So not even the Bible is an exhaustive repository of God's word. It is his revealed word to us. God is infinite. His knowledge is infinite. Even in the scriptures, then we don't have a comprehensive, exhaustive awareness of God's knowledge, but what he has revealed to us, is his word. So when Jesus says in John 17, 17, your word is truth. We're we're talking about the revealed word of God that we have in the Bible. And it is that word, which the apostle Paul is talking about that he's describing in first Thessalonians two 13. I want to read that text. Paul writes in first Thessalonians two 13. He says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which Jesus said is truth, that when you receive the word of God, you heard from us, you accepted, you accepted it not as the word of God, I'm sorry, not as the word of men, which is subject of truth, but for what it really is, the word of God, which is object of truth, mm-hmm. which also performs its work in you who believe. So again, I want to repeat that verse. Paul is saying this. He says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, which is subjective, but for what it really is, the word of God, which is objective, which also performs its work in you who believe. So before anything can be judged to be objectively false, there must first be such a thing as objective truth. Mm. And the and that objective truth is the word of God, which is what we just read in First Thessalonians two thirteen. Paul declared unambiguously that the word of God is not the word of men; it's the word of God. Now, I want us to notice something in the text that we just read a few moments ago, First Thessalonians two thirteen. But Paul said, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of man, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Now, notice 
that in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, there are four verbs the Apostle Paul uses in this text. Received, heard, accepted, and performs. Mm. Received, heard, accepted, and performs. Three of those four verbs deal with you and me, Verge, as it relates to our individual response to the gospel. Mm -hmm. We hear it, Mm -hmm. we receive it, and we accept it. Now, notice also that those three verbs describe the progression of how the truth of God's word performs its work in those who believe. Again, performs its work is how Paul closes out that verse in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Notice this progression. Again, if you're listening along with us and you've got your Bible handy, follow along with us in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Notice the progression here. We hear the gospel, and hearing can be by literally hearing the truth of the gospel preached audibly from a pulpit or in a one-on-one evangelistic encounter, mm-hmm. or by reading the Bible for yourself. So we hear the gospel. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, that for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard mm. from us. So we hear the gospel. Then we receive the gospel. That is in your mind. So the gospel, the word of God, penetrates the ear into the mind. And then thirdly, we accept or we believe the gospel in the heart. So that's the progression of how the Holy Spirit uses the word of God and implants it into the heart of those who believes, right? Believe. Absolutely. That's right. Paul says in Romans 10, 10, he says, for with the heart, a person believes Mm -hmm. resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. Mm -hmm. So again, the progression that Paul don't miss this uh, listeners in first Thessalonians two 13, there's a progression there. We receive, we, we, we receive the word, we hear it, we accept it. Now I call that a soteriological progression. Mm -hmm. That's just my term. So you're not going to find that in, Grudem's or uh, Burkhoff's systematic theology. Okay, you're not going to find that. That's just my turn. Right. But I call it soteriological progression because that's how God uses the word to penetrate our hearts so that we believe uh, and are saved and granted mm-hmm. salvation by his grace. So now, similar to the soteriological pro- uh, progression that we just read in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, where we hear the word, we receive it, and we accept it. There's a similar text in Ephesians 1.13, where Paul writes this. He says, in him, that is in Christ, you also, after listening to the me- after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So again, listen to those verbs there. These verbs display a progression a soteriological progression. So here we have another soteriological profession, progression rather in Ephesians 1.13, just like we had in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. So in Ephesians 1.13, all of this, of course, the soteriological progression that I'm talking about is a, is a monergistic work of God. Okay. So even though Paul has said twice here that we receive, we hear, 
we accept, that does not mean that it is a work of you and me. Right. This is a monergistic work of God. First Corinthians one thirty, Paul writes this. He says, by his doing, that is by God's doing, you are in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's 1 Corinthians one thirty. By his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So again, salvation is a monergistic work of God, mm-hmm. regardless of how you come to faith in Christ, under what circumstances, situations you hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's God working his work in you, as Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, that it is his word that performs its work Mm. in those who believe, okay? All right, so again, similarly to what we saw in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, there's a progression here in Ephesians 1.13 regarding the efficacy of what Paul describes as the message of truth. So we're still talking about truth. This is just another, this this phrase is another description that Paul uses to describe the gospel or the word. Mm-hmm. He calls it in Ephesians, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, the message of truth. Absolutely. Not the truth of truth, but it's the truth because it's truth. Okay? If in Ephesians 2, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1.13, this progression again. Listen, he says, He says this, in him, in Christ, you also, after listening, listen to the progression now, listening to the gospel, you, to the message of truth, rather, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed. So the progression is this, you listen to the gospel, you believe the gospel, and then after which God seals us with his Holy Spirit. And he does that forever for those who believe that what Paul calls the message of truth. Now, beyond that, there's something very important that I want us to note in this text in uh, in uh, Ephesians one thirteen. That the phrase, I'm sorry, First uh, Thessalonians two thirteen. Back back there again. That the phrase that Paul is using in describing the gospel as the message of truth. Don't miss that. Paul is describing the gospel, the word of God, as the message of truth. Mm-hmm. We're talking here in this episode, false teachers and false teaching, which requires us to, to make a distinction. What is true versus what is false? Paul describes the gospel as the message of truth. Now, by this time, some of our listeners may be asking themselves at this point, well, why is all this exposition necessary? Yeah. Why is all this necessary? Well, it's necessary because dealing with false teaching and false teachers begins with an understanding, not only of what is true, but what is truth. Absolutely. You know, Verge, I worked for years in banking and finance. I won't, I won't say what company I worked for, but if I mentioned it, everyone listening would probably recognize the name, Mm -hmm. but I listened, I worked in banking and finance for years. And when you're working in banking and finance, you know, one of the issues that you have to deal with day in and day out is counterfeiters. Mm. Uh, You'll have people coming into the banking centers and 
uh, trying to pass counterfeit currency mm-hmm. uh, across the teller teller line, through the teller window, through the uh, drive through or whatever. But what they what banks train their employees to do, employees who work in their branches and banking centers, what they train them to do in recognizing counterfeit currency, they don't train you to have uh, or to be astute in recognizing the counterfeit. Right. What they train you to do is be so astute at recognizing the real thing that you can recognize the counterfeit. Absolutely. You recognize the counterfeit currency by knowing so thoroughly what the true currency, legitimate looks currency like. looks yeah. like. Yeah. So you become so familiar with what the real currency, with a real $100 bill looks like, mm-hmm. you can spot a fake $100 bill in a split second. Absolutely. Because you're so familiar with what the real thing is, what the genuine mm-hmm. article is. Mm-hmm. You see? So for someone might be asking, well, what's, what's all this? What's this preamble about? Right, what's right. all this pre-exposition for? Well, because we must understand not only what's true, but what is truth. Yeah. And remember what I said earlier, whatever is true or false is true or false because there is truth. Truth is objective. Therefore, whatever is declared to be true or false must also be objective in that declaration. Mm. Okay. Now the gospel <clears throat> talking about declaring itself true. The gospel is self declarative in its veracity and its authenticity mm-hmm. and its authority. Consider this text, Proverbs chapter 30 verses five and six. Remember what we said earlier that in order for something to be deemed true or false, there must be a standard or barometer up against which it can not only be defined, but tested, Mm. but tested. That's what a hypothesis is. It's a test of an idea and the results of our objective, but the Bible declares itself to be authentic. Listen to Mm -hmm. Proverbs 30 verses five and six. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will reprove you and you will be proved a liar. Second Timothy three verses 16 and 17. We're familiar with this text. Mm -hmm. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, Jesus said in Mark, Chapter one, verse 15. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. Right. Jesus did not say repent and believe a gospel Mm -hmm. as if to suggest that there is more than one. (laughs) But the false teacher would have us believe that there is more than one gospel. Absolutely. Which is why there's so much contained in the scriptures about false teachers and false teaching and why those who would be preachers and teachers of the gospel are held to such a weighty standard. Yeah, which is which is, again, why what you've just walked folks through and again, it, you know, may may think, man, that's a lot. Of, I, I'm telling them what they really got, uh, Brother Dale, is a preview uh, for for the Harrison systematic that you're going to be putting out later <laughs> on uh, on on the doctrine of the word of God. So that's what they <laughs> 
that's actually where they, they, they got a preview. You, you gave him a little ordo salutis. You gave him a little, you know, document <laughs> word. You kind of broke it all down for him. But it, it's important to understand what you've just walked through and for them to even, and I wish we would have told him this earlier, but, but since this is recorded, you can go back. Take a pen and paper and write down what, what Daryl just walked us through so that you've got in front of you the explanation for what is truth. We said at the very beginning, at the outset, it's, it's difficult for people to articulate what truth is. And we've got to know what that is before we begin to walk through a process of examining that which is false. Man, that, that, that's so very good, Virgin. I'm thinking about, again, you know, we alluded to this earlier, right? What we're doing is apologetics. That's what's mm-hmm. happening right now. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening right now. You Listen, you have to be able to. We're commanded to do this. Yeah. If you're a follower of Christ, if you profess to be a follower of Christ, you must prepare. You must do what it takes. And studying the word of God takes work. Mm-hmm. It takes work. It is a labor of love, but it is a labor. It takes work. You should be able, you should be uh, prepared to engage in a discourse with the Muslim, mm-hmm. with the Jehovah's Witness, with the Mormon on these issues. What is truth? It's a fundamental question going all the way back to Pontius Pilate. Mm-hmm. It's still a question that's being asked today. And we are obligated, excuse me, we are obligated as Christians as followers of Christ to be able to answer that question. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so Jesus said in Mark 1:15, he said repent and believe the gospel. And as I said, the false teacher would have you believe that there is more than one gospel. That's good. But there isn't. In James chapter 3 verse 1. Again, I said earlier, the gospel is so valuable to God that he holds teachers above any other role within the church. He doesn't even, listen, the Bible doesn't even single out pastors for this uh, added weighty responsibility. Mm -hmm. When the word says in James chapter three, verse one, he's not talking about pastors here. He's talking about those who would dare to want to teach the word of God. He says, let, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren. He didn't say, let not many of you become pastors. He said, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, Mm -hmm. knowing that as such, we will, that is we, we who teach the word of God will incur a stricter judgment. Titus chapter two, verse seven, a, and all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds with Purity in doctrine, purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is above reproach, Mm -hmm. so that the opponent will be put to shame. Now, speaking of pastors, pastors definitely have a weight on them Mm -hmm. to treat the word of God in truth and purity. Absolutely. And if you think that's a lightweight responsibility, I want to read what John Calvin has to say about how pastors are used in the church to propagate false doctrine. Pastors. Mm. Listen to what Calvin says in the Institutes. Um, And let me spell out the long title because I don't want to assume that folks who are listening know what I mean when I do the shortcut and just say the Institutes. 
But this is, I'm quoting right now from the Institutes of the Christian Religion. It's by John Calvin. It's a very, very weighty read. Okay. It's encyclopedic, Mm -hmm. I would say. Would you agree, Verge? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. It's it's, it's, it's encyclopedic theologically, but it's one of the best investments you can make Mm -hmm. um, to understand uh, uh, better systematic theology. But Mm -hmm. Calvin says this, this is a chapter on the power of the church. He's quoting Second Peter 2, 1, which reads, As there were false prophets in Israel, so there will be false teachers among you who will bring in destructive heresies. Second Peter 2, 1. Calvin goes on to say, Do you see that the danger of what he, that is Peter, do you see the, that the danger of what Peter warns will come not from the ignorant among the common crowd, but from those who proudly flaunt the title of teachers and pastors. Furthermore, how often did Christ and his apostles foretell in what great danger the church would be placed by its own pastors? And to avoid filling my pages by pursuing this theme, we are warned by examples not only from that era, but from every age that truth is not always nurtured in the bo- in the bosom of the pastors mm. and that the church's safety does not all depend on their good rule. They were certainly expected to be good custodians of the church's peace and security, which they are meant to preserve. But it is one thing to do what one has to do and another to have to do what one fails to do. Mm. Okay. So, Calvin, in true John Calvin style, does not miss words. Mm-mm. The church is just as subjected to false teaching from pastors in the pulpit right. as for those who are outside the church. Mm-hmm. Okay? But there is only one true gospel. And that gospel is true because it is truth. Mm-hmm. So what exactly do the scriptures say about false teachers and how can we as believers identify them? What does the Bible say? And then how can we as believers, as Christians, identify them? Mm -hmm. Well, consider, for example, 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know, you will know the false teachers by their fruits. First Timothy chapter six, verses three through five. Paul writes this, if anyone, and he means anyone, if anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. 
but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of great gain. And that's what we're seeing. Most of the false teachers and preachers who I could name Mm -hmm. leverage the word of God as a mean to gain wealth for themselves. Absolutely. That's what Paul's talking about there in first Timothy six. Listen to second Timothy four verses three and four. Paul writes this for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now those are the people who are listening to and receiving this false teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to miss. You have two phrases there, turn away and turn aside. Those phrases are where we get the word apostate. Apostrepho in the Greek, which means not just to turn away. It's to turn from one allegiance to another. Absolutely. Okay. So to apostatize is that you turn away, you, you sell out your allegiance to the word of God and you sell your, you give your allegiance to something else. That's a lie. That's not even the truth. And and here's what we need to consider here. Verge, when we're talking about uh, someone who would, would be apostate to the gospel. You see, no one ever turns away from something without turning to something else. else. That's right. Whenever you turn away from anything, it's always toward something else. And you know, when I think about that verge, I think about your boy Carlton Pearson. Mm. Drop some knowledge on this, bro. Oh, bro. I, I can't, I mean, I can't think of a better term for for Carlton Pearson. Um, again, I, I know you're not one um, to name names or anything like that, but this is, this is not a, this is not something we're revealing. This is a, a, a real story that's out there in the mm-hmm. public. Already out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Already out there in the public to be consumed. His, uh, his movie called come Sunday uh, is on Netflix for others to see. And, and I was, I was a member of that church for quite some time. Um, I was there, gosh, approximately from, I'd say, off and on from 90, 91, uh, 92 to about 97, 96, 97. And uh, got to watch that whole thing uh, unfold live and in concert. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was, was truth be told, uh, Brother Darrell, was, was one of those things where you've got people who don't really know uh, and don't have any kind of acumen in the scripture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. they're, they're listening, they're, they're there listening to someone for the most part who is ridiculously charismatic and right. unbelievably entertaining. Um, and, and he kind of, he kind of combined, you know, Baptist Pentecostalism and, you know, he calls mm-hmm. it ba- Bapticostal Penta, you know, he's got all these kinds mm-hmm. of phrases in it, but man, I, I sat there for years um, you know, not knowing 
any better. But here's the thing. I knew enough that by the time we got to, to where he began switching up some things to say, wait, wait a minute, you know, uh, right. my, my family and I would leave prior to its ultimate, prior to the ultimate demise. And we would leave mainly, mainly based upon job and, and, and things like that. But it was, it was an eye-opening uh, experience to be up live. As I watched the movie uh, and saw that whole thing unfold, the sad truth is twofold. One, people knew that something wasn't right as he made declarations like, you know, there is no hell and, you know, like everybody is saved apart from a knowledge of Christ. Those are some, those are some basics to, to orthodoxy that we kind of got. Right. But, but there, were, there were texts of scripture that he would use to promote his point of view and truth be told, there really wasn't anyone around who knew how to do exactly what you just did at the beginning of the show to, to look at the text of Scripture and exposit why what he was saying was untrue. None of us could do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's a big part of the problem. We've got to, to the point you made earlier, we've got to be able to do apologetics we have got to know sound mm-hmm. doctrine we made reference mm-hmm. to some to some terms that you know maybe i think most of our listeners are aware but if you're listening for the first time and you've never heard the term systematic theology um you need to go look that up right. uh you need to right. go and and find a whether it's whether it's calvin systematic or frame systematic or what you know whatever whatever the systematic that that, that you would use i think a lot a lot of folks kind of begin kind of a beginner's version is maybe a Grudem's systematic yep. mm-hmm. just to help you get acquainted with, with, with truth to the degree that you can't be fooled. Right. You can't be fooled. You know, right. there's some basics to faith, but systematic theology will, will, will help you do it. You talked, we, we kind of ran over the words like the, the ordo salutis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, that's important to know the order mm-hmm. of salvation. You talked mm-hmm. about, you know, kind of a, a progression mm-hmm. from a standpoint of salvation. Those are things, the things that we talk about in this space are, are not designed for, for us to be, be, become popular. You know, it's not it's not a, it's not an effort to be to become known. It really is a, a heart's desire. And as I walked out of that process, man, it took uh, Daryl, it took three years at least of my family and I really digging into get, first getting away from the untruth and then doing right. what you recommended, which is going back into the scriptures to unpack what is actually true. Uh, it, right. it took us it took us three years of, of nights where my wife and I are pouring through the scriptures and weeping as we're, as we're coming into, to the truth and, and, mm-hmm. and recognizing the falsehood that we had been taught for quite some mm-hmm. time. And see verge, what we're talking about here in this episode, talking about false teachers and false teaching is not only in the context of theology. You look mm-hmm. at culture today, you know, and I love, man, how you you will periodically put on your Facebook page a cultural observation. I, I like those, man. Keep, keep doing those. Keep doing those. But see, I'm going to make a cultural observation right now that's going to tie into what we're talking about tonight with respect to us living in a world, not just a society, not just a culture, but in a world mm-hmm. that has totally, insanely disregarded any idea that there's objective truth. Right. Absolutely. This is why the denial of objective truth Mm -hmm. 
is why people actually believe you can change gender. Right. Like turning a light switch off and on. Right. They actually believe that two people of the same sex can be married, but that's marriage. Right. This is why people who are giving birth today are putting X where the gender is. Right. Where gender is fixed. But they're denying it. Mm-hmm. It's Romans one coming to fruition. Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in multiple and diverse ways. But this is all fundamentally rooted in a society, a world that has rejected the idea that there's objective truth. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not only rejecting the truth that is the, the Bible. They're rejecting any notion <laughs> of objective truth. Right. Any any truth that doesn't conform to the reality that they desire right. to create for themselves. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. If it's inconvenient to their agenda of the way they want to live, they reject it, even though it's true. Now, let's let's give a simple example here. The reason one plus one equals two. The reason it is true. So if I gave you a test verge, I say true or false. Mm-hmm. One plus one equals two. You would say true. True. Well, the reason one plus one is equals two is true. Is because it is truth. That the value of one. Is fixed and objective. Mm-hmm. One doesn't equal one point one or three or six. One equals one. Mm-hmm. That's truth. That's objective truth. Mm-hmm. The value of one is one. That the value of one is one is a is objective truth is why one plus one equals two is true. Mm-hmm. That's why one plus one does not equal three. Right. Now, with the politicization of public schools today, especially, it may equal three by now. <laughs> but when right. I was in school, right. it equaled two. Right. Well, my job is two. Right. But in public schools, it might be three mm-hmm. by now. Mm-hmm. But the point is, the rejection of objective truth is pervasive. Yeah, it is. Not just in the church, but in society and the world in general. Absolutely. But I appreciate what you shared about Carlton Pearson. I especially appreciate you footnoting the fact that what you just shared about him is already out there in the public yeah. domain. Absolutely. I've seen the film come Sunday. I've seen it. I've seen an interview he did um, on the word network um, with a gentleman whose name uh, escapes me right now, sort of detailing his, uh, he wouldn't call it this, but it's flat out apostasy. apostasy, He is flat out turned, turned away uh, from the gospel. Absolutely. He He has done that. Here's the crazy part about that. As I, as I see him, you know, having, having kind of a front row seat, uh, literally to to his ministry, I was a very involved, very active part of the ministry. I saw what happened every Sunday morning. Uh, I was there for years. Uh, 
was there was was I've, I've been in his home you know i've i've, I've sat with him i, I know his his wife uh, uh gina and, and and the whole nine yards and it's it, there's a part of it that that you you look at from a standpoint of what of what is truth and it's and it's it's crystal clear it's crystal clear there's another facet of this that's interesting again for me and for my heart in that this is a man who i i love you know, mm-hmm. I, I I love this man. He was he was at the time he was my pastor. Uh, I I I I loved him. I love I learned so much from him about what it meant to be a man, what it meant to be a a leader, what it meant to 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 have charisma. And I mean, there's so many things that I learned from him that even that watching that movie was probably for me one of the most heart-wrenching things as it brought back to my remembrance in vivid color some of the aspects of the false ministry that we were under and and what it right. what it reminds me of man is that is that you know there's so many things that that and let me say it this way things can look so close to right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but still at the same time mm-hmm be absolutely mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I mean that, that's a that's a statement from Charles Spurgeon, right? The the, 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 the 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 what discernment is, it's not knowing the difference between right and wrong, Spurgeon would say, but it's the difference between knowing right and almost right. Oh man, that's awesome. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. 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 And see what we but see, man, I appreciate you mentioning that Spurgeon quote because that takes me right back to Another piece in uh, Dr. Sean Michael Lucas's article in Table Talk, Lucas says this, man, this is exactly where you're going with a guy like Pearson. Lucas says this, he says, we know that heretics always appeal to the Bible. So we have to equip our people to see why various forms of quote unquote Christian teaching are false, but even more what the right form of teaching is. Absolutely. That's where you're going. Absolutely. And we've got to be almost right. right. We've got to be willing to put in the work to make that happen. Unfortunately, far too many of us are, are, I just say it, lazy Christians. Yeah. um, Who have no, no real desire to spend any time other than what happens on a Sunday morning into an an in-depth study uh, of the word. We, We call ourselves Berean. Uh, we, we we only we only look at that from a particular verse rather than actually doing the work that it takes to rightfully divide the word of truth. So what we're talking about, Verge, I was really appreciating what you were saying earlier, man, about, uh, you know, some of the terms you've been learning and, and encouraging folks to go look them up. Mm-hmm. Look those terms up so you can understand. So let me just throw out a couple fancy words. So what we're talking <laughs> about in this episode on 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 false teaching and false teachers. Mm-hmm is heterodoxy versus orthodoxy. That's good, bud. Heterodoxy comes from a Greek word, heteros, which means different. Mm-hmm. Different dox, different word. Mm-hmm. Okay, different word versus orthodoxy. Okay, orthodoxy is true. Mm-hmm. Heterodoxy is false. Okay. All right. So that's essentially what we're talking about. Heterodoxy versus orthodoxy. Listen to what God says here in Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23 verses 29 through 31. 
He says, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from each other. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, declares the Lord, who use their tongues to declare the Lord declares. Now, in reading the latter part of verse 31 in Jeremiah 23, where it says, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare the Lord declares. I, I can't help but be reminded of what we hear many preachers say today, right, verse that the Lord told me to tell you. Right, right, right. I came to declare to you. I came to decree and declare to you. Right, right, right. You know, the Lord, listen, excuse my slang, but the Lord ain't told you nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord ain't told you nothing. Right. What the Lord wants you to know is already provided for you in his word. It's already in the book. It's already in the book. The Lord ain't sent nobody nowhere to tell you nothing. <laughs> wait, wait a minute now. Wait. <laughs> now I let, get, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, Daryl. I know that your your Princeton Seminary Fellowship and all, I I don't know if you would have gotten an A with that with with the with the nobody no. I probably no, wouldn't. <laughs> I probably now, wouldn't now, now, listen, listen, it made sense to a guy like me. I, I'm with you. I was with you. I was just thinking <laughs> that 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 seminary education at the Princeton. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that that, that kicked in just then. Maybe it did. <laughs> listen, bro. I'm reformed, but every now and then I got to keep it hood, bro. I got to keep it from where I'm from. <laughs> I just want people to know when somebody steps to you or when you're in, a, if you're in a church yeah. where your pastor says, or whoever's speaking to you on that Sunday or Wednesday or whatever the day might be. And they say to you, well, the Lord told me to tell you, right. The Lord ain't told him or her to tell you nothing. Mm. It's already in his word. Listen yeah. to Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two. This is for all you so-called prophets and wannabe prophets out there <laughs> who still call yourself prophets and apostles. Right. <laughs> We're about to keep it real here. Yeah, come on, man. Come on. Come on. Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two. Come on. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son Mm -hmm. whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he also made the world. Yes. There are no more prophets. Mm -mm. There are no no more apostles. Mm -mm. That is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ himself. Absolutely. Now, if your Bible listener has the book of Hebrews in it, I suggest you go to Hebrews chapter one, look at verses one and two. God, not one of the disciples, Mm -hmm. not one of the church fathers. Mm -hmm. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days today, 2018, right? Has spoken to us. That means all believers, all of us. Absolutely. In his son. Yeah. 
So if you want to know if the Lord has a quote unquote word for you, <laughs> go read the gospels. Yeah. Read the epistles. For that matter, read the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. God has 66 books worth of word for you. Absolutely. Okay. So again, back on what the Bible says itself about false teachers and false teaching. Matthew 24, verse 24. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Second mm-hmm. Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3a. But false prophets, what are we hearing here in these in these verses? Verse recurring, mm-hmm. false prophet, false prophet, false yep. prophet. Now, false prophets is the same as false teacher. A prophet is one who proclaims the yep. truth. Yeah, and you got to say that, man, because got to say that you got to say it because there's such confusion out there about you know about prophets, about prophecy, about the gift of prophecy that 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 that, that you see as a as a part of a spiritual gift, and all that is is a proclamation of of, of the truth of God, the, the truth. truth that's already written in exactly the pages. Right of scripture not exactly this right. not this you know idea of god popping some new revelation right. into your head that is not what scripture is talking about when it it's talks about this. the gift of prophecy it's not it's not what's happening great point verge great point second peter 1 verses 1 through 3 so i'm sorry second peter 2 verses 1 through 3 but false prophets also arose among the people just as there also would be false teachers among you mm who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth, there's that phrase, the truth again, Mm -hmm. the way of the truth will be maligned. Mm -hmm. And in their greed, they will exploit you was false words, mm-hmm. false words, as opposed to the sound words that we read from Paul earlier in one of the texts that we talked about. The gospel is sound words. Mm-hmm. Heresy is false words. Now, all this brings me to the question, can we judge false teachers? Are Christians allowed to judge false teachers? So we talked good. about in this episode how to ascertain and define what is false, what is true, mm-hmm. the distinction between true and truth. We talked about how to identify false teachers. Well, what's the next step? Well, the next step is to judge whether a person is a false teacher or not. Absolutely. So I know that word judge, verge, is like yeah, walking is, on a landmine. Yeah, that, that, that is a landmine in today's culture. We, you know, And the, the, one, the one verse of Scripture that anyone knows non-believer or believer is judge not lest ye be judged. Right. Oh, Matthew gosh, 7. Man. That's the yeah, only, that's, yeah, yep. that's the only one that, that they, now they, and they're not, they're not going to continue to read the text to yep. rightly divide what's being said there to note that judgment's actually taking place because you have to judge to know who the swine are and who the dogs right. are, not to put things in front of. Right. Uh, but there's a process. One is a, an issue of, 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 you know, judging someone uh, in a, in a manner that you're you're similarly walking in, right? 
Uh, right. you're, you're judging in a, in a manner that you're continuing to sin in. And, and though, though you're, you're doing that, you're being a hypocrite. You're playing the role yeah. of the hypocrite. You know, that whole yeah. section is about, was, was about the Pharisees. That's that, that comes from the Sermon on the Mount, right? right. Where, exactly where Jesus right. is, Jesus is dealing with, with the, with the, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Yep. Exactly right, man. Appreciate you chiming in on that, Virgil. Exactly right. And, you know, just for sake of information, I just want to pass along that Matthew 7 has 28 other verses. <laughs> if you dare read past verse 1, right. there's 28 other verses after that. Not just... Right. Do not judge. Okay? So the question is, can we judge false teachers? The answer Mm -hmm. is yes. Yes, absolutely. We can judge false teachers. I base that fundamentally on John 7, 24. Where John writes this, he says, do not judge. Now, the Greek word there, and here's here's what a lot of Christians have a problem with, with respect to the misconstruing of Matthew 7, 1, is that they conflate judge with condemn that's it good. is not the same word that's good. biblically it is not the same word folks in john 7 24 we're talking about can we judge false teachers the answer is yes john 7 24 this is jesus talking mm-hmm. he says do not judge according to appearance but there's permission right there yeah you have that conjunction, yep. but yep. that means there's a context coming by which you can judge. He says, do not judge. The Greek word there means to form an opinion or draw a conclusion. It does not mean damn to hell. Right. It says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So here we have Jesus in John seven twenty four. We're talking about judging false teachers or judging someone as a false teacher, drawing a conclusion that someone is a false teacher, the first half of John 7, 24, Jesus is saying, don't use subjective reasoning to determine whether someone is a false teacher or not. Use objective truth. That's righteous judgment. Righteous judgment is object, is the, we talked about benchmarks and uh, 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 developing a standard that's objective. So when you talk about, Jesus talks about judging with righteous judgment, well, only God is righteous. Absolutely. So you go to his word and you see what his word says. Mm-hmm. You don't rely on your fandom of that preacher. <laughs> you don't rely on the fact that, well, I've been a member of this church for 25 years. Mm-hmm. You're a testament to that verge. When you, when the Lord un, uh, un, unveils your heart and he, re, right. he reveals to you. Right in your heart that the teaching that you're sitting under is heretical. Right. You leave. Absolutely. You don't rely. Listen, we're not talking about resumes. I don't want to know how long you've been at this church mm-hmm. or how long you've been a deacon or a deaconess or whatever, and what motherboard, sister board or whatever other board you got <laughs> going on. I don't need to know that. It, is the truth being preached from the pulpit? Absolutely. Or is what be, what is being preached? Is it false? Mm-hmm. You are permitted to make that judgment. You better make that judgment. Absolutely. You better draw that conclusion, but you do it based up against the objective truth of the gospel. Mm. Not your own subjective paradigm. Okay. 
Ephesians 5.11. Paul writes this, he says, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. So we're asking the question, can we judge false teachers? Yes. 1 Timothy 1, verses 3 through 10. Let me read that. Let me flip over here. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. I think this is very, very important text for us to grab hold of here. If I can get these pages. All right. 1 Timothy 1, verses 3 through 10. Mm-hmm. Paul's writing this. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men straying from these things, these are false teachers, these are apostates now. For some men straying from these things have turned aside. Yeah. See, we talked about that before. That's that's what that apostatizing comes in. They turn aside to fruitless discussion, Mm. wanting to be teachers of the law even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. Mm-hmm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, yeah. realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, right. for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. Whatever is contrary to sound teaching. Mm -hmm. Now, Daryl didn't write that. That's not first Daryl (laughs) chapter one. Right. That's first Timothy chapter one. Yeah. Written by the Apostle Paul. Now, if you take offense at what I just read, that's between you and God. Mm-hmm. That's not between you and the Just Thinking podcast Mm-mm. with Omaha and Daryl. Nope. That's between you and God. Mm-hmm. So, again, can we judge false teachers? Yeah. I just read you three texts that establish the fact that, yes, we can. Yeah. And you should. You should. Mm-hmm. Um. Let me quote here uh, another article in the April 2018 issue of Table Talk magazine. This will be on page 26 mm-hmm. for those of you who have a copy of that. Reverend Eric Landry writes this. He says, we can become so eager to maintain peace that we slide into doctrinal laxity. Mm. That we slide into doctrinal laxity. Bro, bro that's huge. Go ahead, Virg. You got something? No, on this I was man? just going to say that's huge. That's huge because that's that's our natural inclination these days. We 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 have we have come so far, we have we have walked so far away from the biblical heritage, uh, the 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 apostolic heritage of being willing to die for the faith, 
right? right. Uh, the, 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 church, the church history that is, that, is, that is filled with people who were martyred because they were w- willing to stand on justification alone, right? Grace by faith, by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. I mean, they were willing to give of their lives for the purpose of maintaining their, their faith in and through the truth of what God's word says. But now we've, we've come so far from that here in, in America where we're walking, where we're, we've enjoyed such prosperity and, and, a, and, a, and an advantage, a cultural advantage for declaring that we're Christian, that all we want to do is walk in peace. Right. People don't, people don't even know what, people don't even understand the fact that, the, that when someone says you're Protestant, that's mm-hmm. because you actually protested, you protested. something right. <laughs> something that was worth standing for. Right, right. But see, here, here's the flip side of that. I think the church has become, the, the church is, is trying to widen a road that Jesus declared would be narrow. narrow Come on, man. Come on, man. And in, in trying to widen that road, we're trying to be at peace with everybody. Absolutely. At the at the cost, at the expense of doctrinal purity, Absolutely. at the expense of orthodoxy. This is why you can have folks like the Revoice Conference. Yeah, I'm gonna call them out. Like the Revoice <laughs> Conference coming yeah. up, yeah. want to have another roundtable about the oxymoron gay Christian. That's oxymoronic, biblically, right? Okay, but. We we so desperately want to have unity mm-hmm. with everybody, mm-hmm. as if the goal of the gospel is unity. Right. It's not. The goal of the gospel is not unity. Mm-mm. I want to prove it to you by the scriptures. Look at Matthew ten, verses thirty four through thirty six. This is Jesus speaking. This isn't Matthew speaking. This is Jesus' own words. They're probably in red in your Bible. Matthew 10, verses 34, 36. Jesus said this, and this is what the church needs to remind ourselves of. Jesus said, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and Mm -hmm. a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Absolutely. So Jesus says the gospel works in concentric circles to split people up, <laughs> to divide. The gospel is inherently divisive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? The narrow road is narrow because it's narrow. Right. <laughs> right, right. The the basis the basis of any any unity is always the stand on truth. You know, right. apart apart from apart from the standard of truth, which which you've 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 laid more than a graph. This this episode really is is a systematic. I mean, <laughs> uh, a, an apologetic, a systematic, whatever you want to call it. This 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 particular episode, I would encourage our listeners to walk over and over and over again uh, through. Uh, with pen in hand, with with pad of paper in front of you, because th- this is this is the standard of, of the truth that we stand upon, um, and 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 Daryl's walked us through, 
you know, exegetically from the text of Scripture, how how we make that stand. You 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 mentioned the the First Peter three fifteen uh, and sixteen verse, which every everyone kind of jumps to the issue of you know of of defending the it's, it's it's the rallying cry for the defending of the faith. But but the verse actually begins by saying, "Honor Christ the Lord as holy." Oh man. That's how the text starts. And the text starts there because he is the way, the truth, Mm -hmm. and the life. He is our standard of truth. The the epistemologic position of our faith is that we believe truth is personified Mm -hmm. in and through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. That's right. And see, the thing about it is, with respect to 1 Peter 3.15, and being ready to give a defense. See, mm-hmm. most Christians say, yeah, yeah, I'm with that. I'm down with that until you have to give a defense. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you have to give one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, the, the, we, we are sacrificing doctrinal purity mm-hmm. for the sake of unity. Mm-hmm. Unity is not the goal mm-hmm. of the gospel. It's like, uh, I'm going to quote Eric Landry again, Reverend Eric Landry again from Table Talk Magazine. He says, working for the peace and purity of the church is not normally glamorous work. It requires the hard labor of study and a steadfast character. Mm-hmm. This is why I personally, I'm not going to speak for you, Omaha, on this. You can chime in on your own. But I believe the word of God is truth. Yeah. And because I believe it is truth, I believe it is true that abortion is murder. Mm-hmm. That homosexuality is a sin. Mm-hmm. That adultery is a sin. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on and on because I believe that the word of God is exactly what it says it is what Jesus himself said it is in John 17, 17, your word is truth. And because his word is truth, his word is the truth. Amen. His word is true. His word is true because it is the truth. Mm-hmm. So I think verse that brings us back full circle. And, you know, I want to just kind of tie a bow on this one. Yeah. Yeah. And say, and I say this, with all humility, I say this with Ephesians 4.15 tattooed on my forehead. Mm. Because I care about the souls That's good. of the listeners who are tuning into this episode. Yeah. You know, Virg, when uh when the Titanic sunk, when the Titanic sunk, and I think over eleven hundred people died, mm-hmm. the headlines read Titanic sinks 1,100, 1,500, whatever the number, mm-hmm. souls lost. Right, right. That's what the headline read. Right. Now, today we would say 1,500 bodies. Right. Perished or died right. or whatever. Right. Know? Yeah. But when the Titanic sank, the headline read 1,500 souls yeah. lost. You see. So that's who we're talking to. Mm-hmm. Everyone listening right now has a soul. 
And I say this with all humility. I'm going to give you a list of names. And let's just say I'm not a fan of these people. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Normally, we don't name names. We go out of our way to not name names. But given the subject matter that we're dealing with in this episode, mm-hmm. I'm going to name names. And these are just on my person. This is Daryl's personal list of people that I'm not a fan of, people who mm-hmm. I avoid. Right. Creflo Dollar, I avoid. Joel Osteen, I avoid. T.D. Jakes, I avoid. Kenneth Copeland, I avoid. Joyce Meyer, I avoid. Rod Parsley, I avoid. Beth Moore, I avoid. Sarah Young, I avoid. And Carlton Pearson, I avoid. Mm-hmm. That's my personal list. Mm-hmm. There's others on my list, but I'm not going to expand the list on this episode. But sure. just understand that as Christians, we need to take biblical doctrine seriously. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to be such astute students of the word of God. Like I made the uh, uh, example of uh, recognizing counterfeit currency right. by studying the real thing. Right. I don't care what church you go to. I don't care if it's mega or mini or micro. (laughs) I don't care who your pastor is. I don't care how much you like or love them. Your first responsibility is to the word of God. Absolutely. And to ensure that the teaching you're sitting under is pure. Absolutely. Not false, but that is true. That's your first obligation. You are not obligated to that church or to that pastor. Your obligation is to God because it is his word that's being preached. Absolutely. Not the word of that pastor, not the word of that teacher. It's called the word of God because it originates with God. So my prayer in this episode is that if you suspect that you're sitting under a false teacher, Mm -hmm. leave. Absolutely. Take what you're hearing, hold it up against the objective truth of what the scriptures say and judge with righteous judgment. According to John 7, 24. That's good. Let the Lord lead you in that regard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, I appreciate all that you walk through the work that you put in to give uh, just a voluminous amount of, of, of text scripture and really you know this is this is again an episode where you just you set up the case um and just unpacked it for the listener i'm just going to encourage everyone who uh, got a chance to listen to this through the end you know this may be one of those where you have to take it in bite-sized pieces to walk back through it uh but it'll be well worth worth the time and as we wrap another another great episode daryl you got any closing thoughts brother you know, no closing thoughts. I just, again, I want to give a shout out to our listeners. We we really, really, really do appreciate all of you. Thank you for the positive reviews Holy that you're leaving cow, for us awesome. on iTunes. We yeah, really appreciate incredible. it. And uh, again, just continue to pray for us. You all, each of you is an encouragement to us. We don't take yep. you for granted. So thank you for taking the time to listen. Uh, we love y'all and we pray for you all too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again for another good one. Check out the next time we meet and again a week from now on Wednesday. These things launch in the uh, on, on the podcast. So be looking for those. Check back with us next week for another episode of the Just Daily Podcast.
Thank you for tuning in to Just Thinking, a podcast brought to you by the Bar Podcast Network. You can find all of Just Thinking episodes at www.thebarpodcast.com. Tune in next week to another edition of Just Thinking. And remember, let's think.